don't know the power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, welcome to Just Like In The Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. We are on episode 7 of series 5, and we are looking at a number of documentaries and TV shows that are taking place across a broad spectrum of platforms. Lisa Tracy, thank you as always for joining us on the show. No problem, Gary Kelly. And Dave, how are you? Great, I'm in great form, thank you. On the show today, we are going to be looking at the phenomenal, successful TV show, Normal People. We're also going to be looking at Disney's The Mandalorian and Space Force with Steve Carell now on Netflix. But first up, we are going to be chatting about a documentary that Dave gave us the heads up about. It's on Sky Documentaries, a new channel that they have just launched, and it's called Macmillions, and it is absolutely super. Dave, because you told us to watch it you heard about it you saw the trailers before it was launched why don't you give the listeners a quick kind of summary as to what macmillions is about okay uh macmillions is it's a detailed account of the mcdonald's you know mcdonald's big mac big mac and fries and the mcdonald's monopoly game scam so somebody scammed them from the 90s all the way through to the like zero zeros um, as told by the participants in the case the prize winners, the FBI agents involved, all of these real people are recounting the story of this scam that was perpetrated by pretty much one guy, but like a weird web of people. And it's a true story. And even the FBI agents are characters in it. And that's the basic plot of this uh, six-part documentary series. So it has the Colombo family involved and people would remember Joseph Colombo from the kind of the 60s and 70s in New York. He became quite a popular figure. So there is a relation of him, of his involved as well in this McDonald's Monopoly game. But as you said, they're interviewing FBI agents. They're interviewing those who claimed to win a million dollars, even though they knew that they were falsely claiming that, that it was fraud that they were carrying out. And it's just executed so well. And one of the FBI guys, Doug Matthews, He's a pure character. <laughs> he oh, yeah. own TV show. I mean, yeah, I mean, it starts off basically as a kind of procedural documentary analysis. And then we get to meet this guy called Doug Matthews, who, as you said, he's a character. He's a wild card. I mean, he makes me look normal for crying out loud. And um, he, he, there's a there's a story where uh, he was in the he was a young agent in the FBI office. And he one of his colleagues had a post-it note on his computer saying McDonald's monopoly fraud question mark. And he said to this agent, what's that about? And your man's like, here, have it. It's, you know, it's nonsense, you know, take it away. And he said, good luck getting an interview with that guy. And then the documentary people are like, oh, well, we asked such and such a guy for an interview. And he said, no. So, you know, you get this tone of sarcasm and comedy straight away. And he actually then started digging into this uh, fact and uncovered, in my opinion, the best scam network uh, of a, of any documentary I've ever seen in my life. If there isn't a feature film made of this story, I leave my hat. Oh, it's yeah, dying mean, just, for a feature film. And I suppose, Lisa, comparing it to the Jeffrey Epstein Filthy Rich documentary that or documentary series that we were looking at last week on Netflix, I mean, you can see clear differences between these two type of documentary series. Of course, the Epstein one is still a very serious matter, but of course, we're talking about violation and abuse of mm. minors. But I suppose what makes this interesting is 
you have people like the FBI agent Doug Matthews. You have a great soundtrack. There's amazing archive footage included yeah. in this. It's, it's just a really slick production. It reminds you of a, like an early kind of Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, it's um, it's got like a family at the center of it as well, though the Colombo family. They're a very, very interesting family. You're just you're intrigued by them. But the the whole story itself is, you know, it's it's people stealing from the rich in a way. Like you don't really feel like anyone has really been violated in a way in this movie. I don't feel anyway because it's McDonald's. Like you know, they were going to give away a million anyway, so it might as well be somebody that's shady. You know, so it's a uh, it's fun. It's like a it's a who done it, but with a with a who who done it. You know that kind of way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the premise for people who haven't seen it is, you know, the Monopoly game where you peel off the little stickers and you might win an apple pie or a large fries or something. In the United States, they had instant winners of a million dollars. So you peel off this thing and you win a million dollars. Even some of them were like in magazines where you peel, there's a McDonald's ad and there's a sticker and you peel it off. And it's like, hey, instant, instant million dollar winner. And the guy, mm-hmm. I won't go into the details for, to ruin it for people, but it's it's a scam where these tickets were going to the wrong places and McDonald's were just paying out and people are smiling with this check in their hand and the FBI kind of got a whiff of what was going on and it was an amazing story of murder, revenge, greed, uh, mafia, security issues, people losing their jobs, prison, in and out of prison, family dramas. It's riveting. Riveting is what it is. Mm. Like I'll put it this way, Gary. I watched... They're, each episode is an hour long. I watched five of them in one day. And you know that's not my style. I don't normally, I'm not a binge watcher. I watched five in one day and then it was two in the morning. And I said, okay, I can't watch another one. But there was another one. There's a sixth episode. And I was so happy to get up to follow a day and watch it. And <laughs> at the end of the last episode, in some of these documentaries, you're kind of like, you know, how are they going to end it? The end shot and sequence, Lisa, I don't know if you've seen it, is so good. I'm actually still giddy a week later from watching it. It was so perfect. Do you know what I'm talking about, Lisa? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes. and I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who's watching. It is, it is yeah. excellent. And it and this the, here's the thing, Gary, about this. The Jeffrey Epstein um, documentary that we, we we reviewed last week, that's A, the subject matter is much more serious and a lot more people were very badly hurt and damaged, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This, as Lisa said, it's almost like a victimless crime because, you know, McDonald's is a big faceless corporation. And they were defrauded as such, but you know, it was a marketing uh, scheme. Uh, yeah, and and the money, rather than going to a normal Joe Soap who won the million dollars, it was kind of funneled in the wrong direction. But nobody really lost money. Nobody died. Well, one person died, but that's a long story. But you know what I mean? It, it it's there was essentially kind of no very little harm was done to people, comparatively speaking, to Jeffrey Epstein. But in terms of a documentary as a piece of entertainment, this was written by two people you know written rather than most documentaries are just directed by somebody this was written and directed by two people so there was structure there was pacing there was arcs story arcs there was a beginning a middle and end it was very very well structured in terms of a dramatic outcome would you agree lisa god you were compelled through the whole series because you just you wanted more every time you know, it, it like it ended. You were like, "Oh, I need another one," and then you watch another one, and it was just, it was very good. Out of ten, Dave. Oh, for me, out of ten, it's a, it's a solid nine. And you know, for a documentary series to get a nine out of ten is, you know, because as you know, I'm a movie person. 
but it was so close to a movie in its structure that it's like a nine out of ten. And if they do the feature film right, that'll be a hard ten for me. Excellent, Lisa. Absolutely nine on the button. So that is Mac Millions now available on Sky Documentaries. It is a HBO production. Next up, let's look at normal people. It finished up there on cable TV, terrestrial television during the week for those who didn't have the luxury of watching it in advance on uh, the BBC player in the UK. We're talking, of course, about normal people. Pretty much a TV series that had become the focal point, the talking point of the town, of every town throughout Ireland and the UK over the last few weeks. Lisa, I know we were kind of loving it and hating it throughout the various stages of the series. It's all wrapped up. What did you make looking back now on Normal People? Looking back, I think uh, the fact that Connell's chain has an Instagram page, you know, and it's just his necklace. It's It doesn't make any sense. But... Having watched the whole thing from start to finish over the course of the last God knows how long we've been watching it, um, I thought it was it was really well done. And the thing about it is, I'm going to be very controversial, maybe not controversial, I'm not too sure. But the fact that RTE didn't produce this, I feel that it was a better TV series because it has none of the... The elements of an RTE show that it just always seem to go with something. There's always like a drug angle or there's always like a, a kind of a gritty, we have to have dark, it has to be dark. But like there are dark elements in this, of course, but like it's basically a love story between two normal people. Well, one of them might be considered a little bit abnormal. Actually, both of them might be considered yeah, the two of them really. The two of them, but like more so, more so. Here's the him. question, Lisa, how many normal, normal people do you know that are normal? Absolutely not. No normal people are normal. <laughs> Every normal people are messed yeah. up and complicated and dark. I think I think that is that is obviously like the joke of the of the show that like normal people are these things happen to them and they uh, and they react to them and their lives are this way and you know everyone is normal and there's no such thing as normal really. But uh, I think Connell's performance is by far the it's it's one of the best TV series performances I've ever seen in my life. I thought he was unbelievable. Like he he just the way he just brought such emotion to the scenes he was in, and it was just it was it was wonderful. And I'm just I'm just shocked that you know that it comes out of nowhere that we see this this uh, talent. You know, you you kind of feel like. Dublin kind of sucks up a lot of talent and you forget that there's a whole other part of the country that has people with actual talent. And this guy obviously isn't from Dublin. For once, there's somebody on TV that isn't from Dublin. And um, not to disparage anyone from Dublin, but you know what I mean. He did go to Trinity. Pardon? So he's, he's kind he of a went to Trinity, but, he's, but he, he hasn't any hint of a Dublin accent. He's got nothing to do with Dublin. That's true. Uh, the only fact is, is that he went there. But um, there are obviously other people in the movie from Dublin and that's all well and good. But at least just it just it was about the story between the two of them. It didn't have any kind of extra extra things in it. It was mm-hmm. just it was about the story. And I thought that that was the main thing about it. You know, if you have a good story, we've said this many times, is that you you will have a good movie if you have the base of a good story and if, if it's well executed. And Lenny Abramson did direct the first few episodes. I cannot remember the name of the person that directed the last half of the series Hetty that's it yes and I thought she did an excellent job I thought it was very well shot it didn't have as much of the arty kind of shots that he had but I just thought it was it was very well done the girl Daisy Edgar Jones she Mm. was also very good I don't think her accent dropped hardly at all I thought she was brilliant 
Um, but just as a standout performance, I think Connell was just, he stole the show. The only thing is it ended and it ended in a way that I did not want it to end. And But I think the ending was fitting to the series. I think... No if, spoilers now. If you... No, 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 never. Well, obviously, sometimes, but not this time. If you continue with the series and you you watch it, like, I mean, it is kind of maybe leaving it open for a series two or a series three or, or whatever they want to do with it. Or a movie. But, you know, she'd have to write those first before those would take place. But um, Lenny Abramson apparently shot that down this week, saying there wouldn't be any more. But uh, I think that basically depends on the writer. It depends on the producers writing a check is what I think. I think the producers are going to write any checks for this because this was like, this took off better than any Irish featured show, I think, ever. Like, this was like huge. Like, they were talking about, like, in all fairness, I know I shouldn't actually say this, but like, the Kardashians even watched this. Like, that's how big it got. It's got got legs. Courtney wanted more. Apparently she tweeted about it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> well, if you're looking for more documentaries on Sky Documentaries, that new channel, there is a one, Justice with Kim Kardashian, where she goes and tries to get justice for various people out there. So I don't oh, know. No, I was talking about Courtney. Kim is a whole different episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the difference between them, so I'm going to have to defer to you all on that. Courtney, Kim, okay. Bridie. I'm, I'm a Chloe fan. I don't know who they're. <laughs> Bridie Kardashian. <laughs> I don't know. Friday, Mary Kardashian, and I have no clue. I think Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskel are just way ahead of the other cast. And obviously, I, I know they have more screen time and they probably got to really work on their chemistry. But I just think they're on a completely different level to the rest of the cast, with respect to that cast. But the two lead actors are fantastic. But I think you're, uh, you when know. you say that, Gary, you are giving respect to the other cast because the, all the other cast members did a fantastic job. It just happens that Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskell did an amazing job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's great that Lenny Abrahamson is saying that that's the end of it, but the Kardashians are watching this. Biggest show ever on the BBC player, on the RT player, and we've no idea yet what the overall TV ratings are for this show. But anyone in their right mind knowing the way it sort of ends, will pump money in and make an investment in seeing another series or movie. So Lisa, out of 10, what would you give normal people? Uh, Because I'm a tough critic and there's a lot to live up to when it comes to TV series, I'm going to give it a solid 7 out of 10. Dave? I'm going to give it 8 because of its, um, you know, it's a bit brave. It's, as Lisa said, it's not tacking on, you know, drugs or gangland or you know all this quote-unquote heavy stuff that they like to throw at a script and see what sticks it's just a love story that and as we all know love stories in general are very complicated things and that's why people can relate to them and live vicariously through them and it's a very simple story when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it uh, that is executed very very well so it's going to get an eight out of ten for me Okay, there you go. That is normal people. We await to see is there going to be another series or something else to come out of that huge, successful TV show. Next up, let's look at a TV series which is on Disney Plus from creator John Favreau. The Mandalorian is the travels of a lone bounty hunter in the outer reaches of the galaxy 
far from the authority of the New Republic. Yes, we are talking about a spin-off of Star Wars. And uh, this, again, is another TV series which has been getting rave reviews. There's just one series so far, 10 episodes. And uh, Dave, what did you make of The Mandalorian? And are you a huge Star Wars fan? I'm not a huge Star Wars fan in the way that I'm a huge James Bond fan, as everybody knows. Uh, like, you know, you could have James Bond movie of James Bond sitting on the toilet and I'll still be in the queue to see it. However, this, <laughs> like, I like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. If I had a choice between a Star Trek movie and a Star Wars movie, I'd be, it'd be tricky. I'd have, because I love them both kind of almost equally, although I probably prefer Star Trek. So I like Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars movies. This was, you know, in the world of Star Wars. It's a procedural, the actual script, if you just, if you um, got a magnet, metaphorically speaking, and removed all the Star Wars from this show, it'd be pretty basic. It's just a bounty hunter <laughs> on a quest with a little baby Yoda. And he has these little tropes where at the beginning his spaceship gets ransacked by the Jawas and he has to go and kill a monster and get an egg. To, it's like a video game level, you know. I have to do this in order to get this, overcome this obstacle that was just placed in front of me. So it's quite procedural and, and you know, simple. And then obviously when you add, you know, the Star Wars-iness to it, that's what makes it special. Um, the production design is amazing. The practical effects, the visual effects are excellent. And that is half of the experience of Star Wars content is the otherworldliness of it. So, you know, I enjoyed it. The script, the writing didn't... I thought some of the dialogue was a bit clunky. And I thought the character development was a bit clunky. And, of course, you know, the reason that we love, you know, Han Solo and Princess Leia and all the rest of them is because we can see their faces. And if, it's hard to empathize with a character that just talks through a helmet all the time, even though that's part of the myth and part of the legend of him. Um, so I, I thought it was okay. I'm not like jumping up and down to watch the entire series. I watched four or five episodes and it was, it was okay, but it didn't, um, it didn't grab me the way a, a movie would. It's got a great cast though, Lisa. I mean, you've Pedro Pascal playing the Mandalorian, who of course we know is. Spoiler being... alert. I didn't know that until like you just told me Gary, because I'm leaving it up to fate to find out what he looks like. <laughs> well, can you not hear in his voice? I could hear his voice. No, no, that's Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I recognize the what voice. What was his name again in Narcos? And he was in that other thing uh, with them um, where he, he played was Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones. Oh, right. He was the guy who got his head crushed in in Game of Thrones. Oh, sad. What do you mean? <laughs> Have you not seen it? it? No, Dave, you know I haven't watched Game of Thrones and I don't want to, okay? Oh, my God. Can we get a security check in here for people who are supposed to know what they're doing? Yes. I made two attempts to watch Game of Thrones and I got as far as Series 3. Well, that's not bad, Gary. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't do it it's for me. And then like everyone, everyone gave up about okay. the last one. <laughs> anyway, back to the Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah, okay. I don't I don't like giant fish on land that like are horses. I, uh, I don't like it. Yeah, look, at the bottom Sorry. line is Pedro Pascal. <laughs> you're right, Gary. The cast is amazing. You've got Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers, who you can see him. And it's like, oh, there's Carl Weathers. Um, yeah, Werner Herzog, Nick Nolte, yeah. Nick Nolte doing a voice really well of a of a, and I really like the fact that the character that was he was voicing was not CGI, he was puppetry, and it was a little bit ropey, but it was kind of cool old school um, Star Wars. And then uh, Taika Waititi played the robot, and Gina Carano is another character. So there's a good um, there's a good cast in there, but 
let me put it this way. It has great potential. Uh, there's a second series on the way. Um, as I said, I, I'm not jumping up and down to watch the whole thing in terms of like, give it to me now. But I will probably dip into it and probably finish it all out over the next few weeks. But I'm not, it's not like McMillions where I sat down for five hours and just gorged on it. I watched two episodes and then I said, okay, I'll watch another bit in another few days. In fairness, we won't give a, a star rating for The Mandalorian because we haven't really seen that much of it. And we know that Lisa just hated it anyways. I didn't hate <laughs> it. It's just, I just don't like those giant fish things. Uh, you know, I just, I just don't. What about The Little Mermaid? No, but they, they weren't giant, scary fish that'll eat you, They're, you know, on land. They were fish in the sea. That's okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap up with a, a new series on Netflix. It is Space Force starring Steve Carell. And yes, indeed, America are planning with Space Force to uh, get boots on the moon, as they say. (laughs) Steve Carell is one of the creators as well of the show. And again, a great cast, including uh, John Malkovich, uh, Lisa Kudrow. Lots of twists and turns in this, but is it a laugh out loud comedy? No, it's not. (laughs) Quite simply, no, it's not. I mean, if you're a fan of The Office and you're thinking this is The Office with a budget, it's not the office. It does have a budget, uh, but, you know, it's not the office. Um, there are a few moments of laughter in it. There's a few moderately kind of amusing tropes and events in it. The script is reasonably good, but the plot is just nonsensical. And it's kind of sad that Space Force is actually very true to life in terms of the way Donald <laughs> Trump's administration he actually wants boots on the moon. But... For me, it doesn't know what it wants to be. If it's you know, if it's a yeah. drama or a comedy, and like to mm. do comedy is hard. To do drama is hard. To do a comedy drama is really really hard. Like The Office, which is the genesis for this in terms of uh, its evolution with Steve Carell and, and the writers and creators. When you go back to the original Office with uh, Ricky Gervais, it was a comedy drama. You know, there was dramatic moments mm. and laugh out loud. Jesus, I need a tissue. Kind of like I've been laughing so much, I need to clean my face. You know what I mean? And you're just bent over laughing. And this does not have the bent over laughing. And the dramatic elements are very wishy-washy. So for me, it doesn't hit the mark on either end of the spectrum between comedy and drama. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. Yeah. I mean, there was that part. I don't know what episode it was. It was one of the first episodes. And he started singing a Beach Boys song. And he thought, oh, this yeah, is kind of going to be a funny part. And then, yeah. And it wasn't yeah. funny. No. It was cheesy, but not in a, this is funny Ricky Gervais doing that really weird dance cheesy. It was just kind yeah. of like a, this is just, this doesn't, it didn't fit with the whole, the whole episode. It was just like, eh. Okay, this is just weird. I didn't um, didn't care for it at all. The only thing I want to watch another episode because I want to find out why did Lisa Kudrow end up where she ended <laughs> That's up. Exactly what I was uh, going to say. It's just it's not great. It's it's disappointing because um, you know if it had like obviously it has such a big budget, but you know if if you haven't got the writing there, the comedy, the 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 jokes, the hits you're not going to get a good series and you're not going to get a good show. And it's such a waste because Steve Carell, I think is probably one of the funniest people of the last 20 years. I just, I, I love him. Like his character in Anchorman is just, I think he's just classic. I love it. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to give it a very low score if you ask me a score. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to go down the route of kind of doing a parody of the Trump administration, even when they, at one stage, they were saying they were waiting on what the, the boss man wanted to do. And they said, oh, has yeah. he sent in a, a, a brief yet? And they said, no, we're waiting for him to put it up on Twitter. 
I thought it was going to go down more that route, which I they think did. They did mock like um, they did mock a few different senators or you know Congress people. You know they had like the little the girl the that was playing the basically the clone of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, isn't that her name? Yeah. And then there was like there was another lady, and then there was another guy, and they were they were basically carbon copies of their real life people. It, it's kind of trying to be a parody, but it's just not succeeding somehow. It's kind of very I think, difficult. I think they're nearly. Are they try? Are they being a little bit scared to do a proper parody of it? That's that's another thing I was wondering. They're so incendiary over there that it's just, oh god, they'd pull the plug on it if they actually did upset somebody in a certain big house made of white. Yeah, I mean, you know, like if you remember back to the first episode, the where um, Mark Neard, who is played by Steve Carell, he gets the job as you know chief. He's going to be a leader of one of the services, and then Space Force. There's like Space Force, and he starts laughing, which Mark is going to run, and then he's like, "What? What?" And you know that scene mm-hmm. where you've got like Noah Emmerich who plays the the General Grabiston, and you've got um, Dietrich Bader, uh, Jane Lynch, Patrick Warburton, all these wonderful comedic actors sitting around the mm-hmm. table as the heads of all these different, um, you know, the Air Force and the Navy and whatever the Army. And that I was thinking, oh, this is going to be brilliant because you see that caliber of comedic chops and, you know, you've got Patrick Warburton and Jane Lynch and you're thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. And they were literally only in it as padding almost for the straight for the trailer to make you go, oh, this is going to be good because they're not really in series. You know, so I I felt it was was like Ron Burgundy. I remember when I first saw the Ron Burgundy uh, Anchorman trailer, I thought, wow, this is going to be the best movie ever. And then it wasn't because they took all the little pieces of it that were good put them into a trailer and got bums on seats. And I think they did the same thing here. Can I just ask as well, is that the way John Malkovich speaks or does he just sound Russian in a lot of no, his latter work? No, that's how he speaks. He's just interesting. <laughs> that's just his way. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a strange man. I think he was on the Graham Norton show before and when he was much younger, he was quite overweight and to lose all the weight, apparently he just set loads of jelly for a long time. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. That's I, what I'll do, Gary. I was not aware of that. <laughs> we'll all do. <laughs> if there's a jelly company out there that would like to sponsor the podcast, yeah. get in touch. Yeah, get in touch and we'll all lose five pounds, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, Space Force out of ten. Lisa? Just because Steve Carell's in a two out of ten. and that's, that's Oh, that's, that's, that's a deep cut, that is. That's a deep Sorry, cut. Sorry, but I, I, I expected more from someone of that calibre. I'm sure he, he he thinks he did a great job. Uh, Dave? I'm going to give it uh, four because, you know, the production design is amazing. Uh, there's mm. a couple of jokes that are on point, but as an overall unit, it kind of falls flat on its face because it's the, the comedy and the, the drama shoes are tied together so they can't actually make a stride forward, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, I And I've watched, I think I've watched five or six episodes and I have no interest in watching any more. I was just there one night and I just clicked next episode. The episodes are short. They're only like 25 minutes each, 30 minutes, whatever. And um, I watched four or five of them at least. And um, I think that'll be it for me. It seemed promising, but it didn't really deliver. Well, there you go. That is it for episode seven of series five. Time absolutely flew during that podcast, I thought. And uh, (laughs) we look forward to having you join us again next week. As always, check out our website, jlitmovies.ie. And it's actually the first place where you can go and listen to the podcast before it arrives on any other streaming platform. Dave Coyne, thank you as always. Pleasure.
And Lisa, thank you. No problem. Until we talk to you next week, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.